Welcome to the Stone Pillar Podcast, where we discuss the church teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Church. I am your host, Dane Sampson. And I'm Brian Wilbur, and uh, we have a guest today. This is our first, but hopefully not last, guest on the podcast. Uh, We're joined by Doug Wilbur. Uh, Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you. Doug Wilbur is better known to me as as my father, and uh, he 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 co-preached uh, the most recent sermon with me, and that's the the topic that we're going to be discussing today uh, on the podcast. And so it was fitting to bring him in since he's since he's in town and loves the topic. Yeah. Before we start, let's uh, have a quick prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day. We just praise you. And we ask that you just be with us in our midst as we discuss your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 So let me so let me uh, let me introduce our our, our conversation. Uh, the, I'll try to try to be relatively brief before I throw out the first question. This past Sunday, uh, we we honored an important occasion in that we uh, the elders are bringing in two two younger men, uh, Aaron and Adrian, into an elder in training. Uh, an initiative, a multi-year uh, training process, and uh, previously we, we, you know, we we, ha- we have another elder in training who's already uh, working alongside of us, and and so in the in the message this past week we just we just kind of talked about um, how important it is to uh, to to be expanding the the ministry team uh, as it creates uh, an enlarged ministry capacity minister to more and more people to, to build up the church and uh, and uh, you know advance the gospel and as a big part of that of course is training and and, and 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 you know passing on what we have learned to others so that they can pass them on to others a kind of the transmission process um, and and uh, so we that's what we talked about and uh, dad one of the things that you uh, that you noted was that when you became convicted back, I think if my, if my timing uh, is right, in the early 1990s, when you became convicted from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, that, that uh, you know, we, 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 we ought to be equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And you, you, you looked around and you, 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 didn't see, you didn't see that being done. And uh, although our, our own experiences are obviously very anecdotal, uh, we, we don't have anything like, a, you know, a, you know a exhaustive knowledge of what's going on all throughout the land in every local context. But it, it, it does seem that at least in, 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 in some settings, especially in our American context, it seems like church-based training, training pastors, training elders, training ministry leaders, uh, it, it seems like training is infrequently or inadequately done. And so the first question I want to throw out, and Dad, I'll let you go first, is 
why is that? Why, why is church-based training infrequently or inadequately done in our American context? Yeah, thank you. Uh, there's uh, probably, of course, there are many reasons. Um, I think the, one of the first reasons that come to my mind uh, is the fact that the leaders have to be convinced that this is what they ought to be doing because it's the leaders who are to equip the saints to do the ministry. Now, so if the leaders aren't going to be doing it, okay, then it isn't going to be done. Um, and then the second thought that would come to mind okay, is that, you know, do you, as a leader, you know, is there anything kind of keeping you from doing it? Is there something that, uh, you know, you understand that if you're training someone to do the ministry, uh, if you're training someone to come alongside you and to be, uh, let's say, associate pastor or whatever, th th there may be some feeling of uh, feeling maybe threatened about something like that. You know, where you're, pa you know, you're passing it on, but what are you passing on? You're passing on what you're doing. And uh, I think that in itself uh, creates a problem. And that's where it comes to the third point, I think, is a, a relationship, a relationship that the leaders that are there have, but the relationship the leaders have with the congregation and the, leader, and, and the, and the uh, uh, relationship I meant there with the congregation and the relationship uh, that the congregation has with themselves. In other words, it becomes a family, and, and you're like, like I, I have no problem when you were growing up to try and train you up. Okay, you were my son. There's certain things I wanted you to be able to do. Well, it's the same thing in the church. Mm -hmm. If the leaders are thinking that you know, these people out here, I want them to you know, not only understand the word and, and know the Lord, but I want them to really have a passion you know, to, to serve him. Well, then they need to be trained up to do that. So, just, so are, are you saying that if a, if a local church doesn't actually take on the, the feel of a family, that it will actually be difficult to make much traction in training? Yeah, I, I would say so. And, and from my experience, you know, that up in, up in Quebec where I did some work up there with, with churches, and, and another thing, they had a common vision. As, they knew why they were doing what they were doing, and it was for the glory of God, but they had a part in it. And, but they knew they needed to be trained up. Okay, um, down in America, the culture's different, you know. But do they have that same passion, do, or are they busy doing a lot of other things that they think are more important? And they may be important, but mm. as, as important as training up uh, people within the church to do ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I, I think it is an often overlooked element of the Great Commission. I mean, we tend to focus on the Great Commission in the sense of um, the lost and leading people to Christ. And while that is absolutely essential, there is a discipleship element to the Great Commission as well that is often overlooked in, in my own, uh, again, like circumstantial experience. I mean, I've seen a number of ministries approach this with varied, varied to varied degrees with varied success. I was fortunate to have some, you know, godly men who took me under their wing, you know, in addition to my own parents, 
and helped train and rear me in this direction. Um, but that, in my observation experience, is entirely the exception and not the rule, which is a travesty when that is, that is one of the bullet points of the Great Commission, is, is the training up and the discipleship and having a good passing of the baton to the next generation for, you know, so that we can continue this, this campaign for the kingdom. I, I think that's, uh, uh, the, connecting this to the Great Commission is, is very important. And one of the reasons why I think that church-based training is inadequately done is that church, church-based discipleship is inadequately done. Right. The, uh, the Great Commission is not, uh, you know, uh, after you've baptized them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Jesus doesn't go on to say, and teaching them to know all that I have commanded you. That's not the great, that's not the, the teaching part of the Great Commission. It's teaching them to, to observe, teaching them to do, teaching them to keep. And I think that um, one, of, one of the problems that plagues discipleship in general and training in particular is, is uh, an almost exclusive emphasis on knowledge information, what have you. Um, it, now, obviously, if you spend much time around South Paris Baptist Church, you know that we, we value knowledge. We value the knowledge of the truth. We value sound doctrine. It's absolutely essential. But what is, the, what is that doctrine for? That doctrine is for the sake of that we would become a people who increasingly demonstrate love for the Lord with our whole being and who increasingly demonstrate love for our neighbor in practical and sacrificial ways. And I think that uh, we need to rediscover the, the doing component. Knowledge should drive doxology. Mm -hmm. Knowledge should drive demonstrations of love. And if it's not doing that, we're missing the point. And if, and, and if we but if we just think that we can put someone in a classroom and download information, 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 now, now you're a disciple. Now, no. now, you're, yeah. now you're ready to be an elder. No, it doesn't work that way. And, and related to that a little bit, and this also dovetails with what you were talking about, with the, the church is supposed to be a family. I think in our, in our Western American context, uh, we... we we, we overemphasize things like specialization and professionalization and kind of the, uh, you know, who's the expert? Mm -hmm. And, and we, so we kind of have this, this elite class of, you know, of trained leaders, um, whether they're trained well or not. But we kind of have this idea of, you know, well, well ministries for the professionals, uh, pastoral work is for the professionals. Uh, teaching is, is for the professionals. And while I in no way, shape, or form want to diminish the calling to excellence, we, we, we want to be excellent 
in what we do as God gives us grace and as he equips us and transforms us. But we, we've got we've to get out of this like expert professionalization mentality and to understanding we, we are a family and God's design, as you discovered in, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 and throughout the, throughout the New Testament, God's intention is for all of his people to competently handle his word. And so, you know, if someone goes off to Bible school or if someone goes off to seminary, uh, that's fine. I mean, I, I did that. I, I appreciate uh, the contributions there, but I never want to get into a mentality that, well, it's somebody else's job to, uh, you know, to, to, to transmit the faith, to make disciples and prepare leaders. It's always somebody else's job. I don't, I don't want to have that mentality. Um, yes, other people have that job too, but, but, but we have that job and it is a privilege. We ought to do what we can in our context to, to, you know, to teach others and train others. To, uh, dovetail what you're saying there in terms of, uh, my experience in Quebec, uh, and there when really the people that were coming to know the Lord and, and building the churches had almost no experience in the Bible or leadership. And they all were in that same ballpark. I mean, they were a family, they're a part of a church, and they all knew they needed to be trained up because they didn't know much about the word and they didn't know much about leading. So if you think about that, that comes back to a relationship and family. They all have the same focus. They know what their need is. Okay? But you come down to the United States, and we're different. And you take any given church, and you have people with all different points of view, they love the Lord, they might, they'll have a certain doctrine they believe in, but a lot of how you actually work it all out and everything, they're different. And so now a leader, you gotta somehow come down and work them all together. You know? and, and so that's where leadership is the first thing, and they have to not only show the importance of training up uh, men or, or saints to be, uh, to be uh, strong disciples, and uh, to do the ministry, but but they they have to do it in a way that uh, that shows uh, it's a family. Well, we're doing this together. It, it's not that I'm your pastor and, and follow me. No, no, I'm your pastor who's listening to the Holy Spirit and the Lord, and I want you to become more and more like Christ. What? However, he uniquely has made you. Mm -hmm. No, you're going to have different different gifts, but we want to develop those. Why? To build. What it says in Ephesians, right? To build up the body of Christ. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the issue. I think. Yeah. To the fullness of the perfect man. Yeah. Is Christ Amen. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's a. Uh, by the way, as you as you can tell, I'm. Well, we're sharing microphones this morning, so it's a little it's a little clunky, but uh, but hopefully uh, it won't interfere with uh, your enjoyment of the content. But what you just said there about about building up the the body of Christ is a it's a good segue to the second question I want to ask. Hmm. And Dane, I'm going to throw this question to you first, and then we can interact about it. But the question is, what is training for? Uh, why is it important? What is its purpose? What is its end game? Hmm. 
Um, well, its purpose is for the edification of the saints, the edification of the assembly, and the building up of the body. So that, that is its purpose, that it may bless and edify and encourage others in their walk of sanctification. Um, beyond the immediate, it also serves a purpose of preparing the next generation for the future so that we can have a seamless passing of the baton of, of, our, of our worldview and of our beliefs and carrying on the campaign of the kingdom, which is, which is a militaristic campaign that we are, as soldiers for Christ, we are waging this war. Um, we have examples of, of, of a poor passing of the baton. Um, when King David was really old, he didn't have, it wasn't clearly communicated who his next in line for the king would be. Um, and it took uh, the wisdom of those around him to be like, hey, we need to, we need to really set this up so that we have a seamless transition so that we can maintain the kingdom. And that was a literal physical kingdom in a, a historical time. We have a, a kingdom from heaven that we are trying to maintain. And we are still struggling as humans. We're still struggling with the, the consequences of old age. And leaders grow old and they diminish in their capacity to continue the ministry and the work that they were once doing. So it is important that leaders have disciples. They have um, those who are beneath them that are being trained and equipped and prepared to seamlessly fall in line and continue the mission. And like runners passing a baton, you have that seamless passing of the baton so that we can continue the race into the next generation. So I think that the there's an immediate application and then there's a future application where it is essential that we prepare that next generation, which knits right into what you said about family. Like what father doesn't train up his children so that they are prepared to enter into the world, enter into the workforce, grow up and lead their own lives, have their own families. A father that does not equip his children through discipline is, is an unloving father. Like that is, that is he is um, maybe through human reasons, excuses, or laziness, he is failing to do the job of being a good father, which is being a good leader, which is equipping your children for the future so that they have the knowledge and the skills to be competent human beings in this world. Well, we need to have knowledge and skills to apply in our lives as good Christian soldiers, as good believers, as good members of the church, as brothers and sisters, it's not just the knowledge, which would be in the Greek, knowledge is gnosis, but it's the taking that knowledge and turning it into actual application, which would be epignosis, the, the actual understanding uh, of a rubber meets the road Christianity, something that has traction, that is practical and real, and that is expressed in how we live our lives. It's not just the knowledge or the truth that has been planted in my heart, but it is allowing that truth to bear fruit and be expressed through my hands and through with my feet and with my actions. Um, and, and you need to be shown that. There's a, there's a knowledge element like you brought up, but there's also, it needs to be exemplified, it needs to be demonstrated 
because we're creatures of imitation. We, we see, monkey see, monkey do. I, I see a brother expressing the love of Christ, and then I'm, that's, that's what the love of Christ looks like. Now Amen. I know yeah. how to imitate. Yeah. Yeah. And we can become imitators of Christ. Um, and in that way, there's, there's a discipleship that happens, even if it's across the, the peer group. There's like brothers to brothers, you know, expressing the love of Christ and demonstrating it. And then uh, another brother's like, oh, and now I see a real world demonstration of what that looks like. Now I know how to apply that in my own life. And, and if you don't have someone showing you, then it's very hard, you know. Well, let me just uh, uh, a follow up question to you on the on the on the issue of um, you, you, you liken discipleship to a a military context, a, a, a you know. Uh, we're soldiers for Christ. So, so a couple questions related to that is, um, what what are the what are the weapons of our warfare? What what kind of what kind of conflict is this? And what what kind of conquest are we called to make? Because I mean, we probably have a shared understanding of what those things are, but someone who's unfamiliar with them might trip over those concepts. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, am I supposed Certainly. to? You know, sign up for the local militia. Yeah, good, good, very good question. Um, so for some clarity, we're, you know, a lot of this discussion is coming from Ephesians chapter 4, where we're growing into the stature of the perfect man, um, the completeness of, of what is Christ into that perfect man, maintaining the truth and love, growing up in all respects unto him who is the head. So that, that is what, that is the context of this discussion. Just a few ch chapters later in chapter 6, we have instructions, um, we are told in you know, 6 verse 10 to be strong in the Lord and in the mightiness of his strength. So first we're given this very clear command, similar to what was given to Joshua, you know, be strong, be a man. Well, our, our leaders are, are men. Be a man. This is, this is a, a, a manly, not, to, not that we don't have women that also lead in their, in their respective areas. I, I don't want to diminish that. But this is brothers be strong. There's a, there's a distinct flavor of manliness in this calling. Um, to put on the complete armor of God so that you have the power to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then we have a list of what our, our, our weapons or tools are for this. Uh, there are seven of them. The complete armor of God is you know, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and praying at all times with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we have a clear marching orders for each individual, whether, and, and, and each individual, regardless of age, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, uh, regardless of whether you're slave or free, we have clear marching instructions as part of the Lord's army. We've got dis clearly defined tools that are uh, that we can employ in this campaign. And it says right at the beginning that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood in verse 12, but against principalities and the authorities of you know uh, in the in, of the world rulers, the darkness of this age, and against spiritual wickedness. These are the things that we're waging our campaign against. We're not, we're not waging against, you know, flesh and blood. We are waging against spiritual principalities and powers. In, in, in fact, we want to 
we want to win men and women. Mm. We, we, we want we want sinful men and women who are still in rebellion against God. We want down. We want them to lay down their resistance and to submit to the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know that's that's kind of the 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 great the great commission mandate to make disciples of all nations is to draw more and more people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Right. Exactly. You you also talked about uh, passing the baton, and I know that, that I think if I remember right, that was an important concept up in up in uh, yeah. Sunback. But you, you think about. Uh, passing the baton, you think you think okay, Moses and Joshua, mm. e- Eli- Elijah and Elisha. Uh, you think uh, Paul and Timothy, Paul and and Titus. Uh, the of course the ultimate discipler and equipper and trainer is our Lord Jesus Christ, who prepared and passed the baton to the the apostles uh but it, 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 why 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 is it important to pass the baton yeah i was just going to say the relative to the idea of, of equipping the saints and and talking about paul saying it's amazing when he, when he tells us you know to imitate me mm-hmm. i mean how yep. are we going to learn the, the the various weapons that we have or what we're going to do how we're going to do it now and paul says Imitate me, yeah. because I'm imitating the Lord. But imitate me, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and I often think, you know, what do we think about that in our life? Are we telling people, no, imitate me? Wait a minute. I mean, how am I living? You know, what? No, but but in a church setting, in a family, we we know that we're all be progressing. You know, God's begun a good work in us. He's going to see it to completion. But we take okay, Paul. We're supposed to imitate you. What did you do? And what you said in the message on Sunday, you know, where, where Barnabas went to Antioch and did some work. He needed some help. He got, he got Paul and Saul come up, and then they worked for about a year, and then all of a sudden they got five, okay? And then the church sends Paul and, and uh, Barnabas out, and they, for a year, they're, they're ministering, and they're going back, and they're, and they're on their way back, they're going to each church and setting up elders. That's right. Okay? And, and then they come back. Um, they go on a second missionary journey, and we talked about the fact that Barnabas and, and, and Paul separated, but, but Paul takes Silas. But then what happens? And you bring out, he, he sees Timothy. He said, Timothy, come along with me. And, and later in the scriptures, we see where, where Paul calls Timothy. He's, he's a, has a kindred heart with me. Well, how did he get that kindred heart? He, he, he was being educated, being taught, being trained up by Paul. Mm-hmm. And then in, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, where then Paul tells him, Timothy, the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, he said, he says, go and imitate me. They said, you know the things I taught you. But it wasn't just you and me. It was a group of, of, of witnesses. And what I want you to do is to pass this on to faithful men. For what reason? So they can pass it on, which is what you were talking about, uh, yeah, Dane. Absolutely. And and that's uh, and do it with faithful men. And again, faithful men. How do you determine faithful men? Relationships, family, and you see what their abilities are and where how you might you know, 
move them along into the ministry that uh, the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ has for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like, so 2 Timothy 2, 2, and then 2, 3, suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in the affairs of this life in order to please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Be a good soldier. Don't be distracted. Stay on task. Stay on mission. And, and, and in the Ephesians 6, like this is... There, you know, there is an offensive element to talking about soldiering and an offensive element, like not offensive, like offensive, not being offensive, but offensive. You know, you're, you're leaning into the combat, you're leaning into the fight. But in, in Ephesians, it's very clear that we are commanded to stand and hold our ground. We're not, we're not taking territory that hasn't been already taken. The, ta- the territory has been taken. We're, we are standing our ground and these are weapons and tools that we have to maintain what we have been given. And, um, and, and that is what I think, I, I know, that is what Paul communicated to Timothy, is to maintain what you have been taught and to instill this in the, into the elders and, and um, to teach this. And he commands him, he says, command and teach. And the term for command is, is a, can be used as a military term. Like a commander would command, and the, the Greek there is, is, a, is a term for command that can be used in a military context. It's not explicitly used in a military context, but it's like this is, these are your orders from your commanding officer, and, and that there is a, a, a significant degree of seriousness to violate a command, to violate an order from your superior officer. You know, you will be subjected to the most severe punishments for violating a command, that, that's that level of insubordination is completely unacceptable in a modern military, and it certainly is unacceptable in a heavenly military. He's, he's the he's the he's the king. He's the commander of the the commander of the Lord's armies. Yeah. We need, we need to we need to to take heed. Um, I just wanted to uh, interact with with something you said about uh, passing the baton and and, and the the importance of a seamless transition into uh, into subsequent generations uh, in the life of a local church. Uh, I just want to. I just want everyone to clearly understand that the the local church is not supposed to be like the uh, you know when when a, let's just say when a when a senior pastor retires or dies or shifts over to some other ministry. Okay, and then a new, and then a new senior pastor comes in. It is it is not supposed to be like uh, Washington D.C. and the change of presidential administrations, like the you know uh, you know Clinton to Bush to Obama to, to Trump to Biden. I mean, th- these represent significant changes in policy and priorities and initiatives. And that is not the way it's supposed to be in a local church. But the thing is, is that if, if virtually all of the pastoral leadership is invested in a single man who has, who has strengths and weaknesses and emphases and deficiencies, then um, unfortunately uh, there will often be significant changes in the life of a church when there's a transition from one pastor to the next. But 
If you have a growing body of faithful men of different ages who are working together, then the loss of any particular man through moving or retiring or dying or whatever, the loss of any particular man, including the senior pastor, the loss of any particular man does not change the direction and trajectory and priorities of the church. Mm-hmm. Because, because that pastoral leadership is not invested in a single man. It's invested in a team and a growing That's team right. of faithful men. And I, 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 if, we, if we want to see something grow beautiful over the course of decades, we must have a growing team yes. of faithful men. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I love that because there is a, there's a very, I mean, an earthly militaristic application to that. Soldiers die. So, soldiers die on the battlefield. Leaders die on the battlefield. And in, in my experience in the military, now that was a while ago, but in my experience as, a, as an NCO, I would be trained as a non-commissioned officer. I would be trained to replace those above me, two ranks above me. So in my position, I'd be training those below me, my, my subordinates. And then as a subordinate, I am looking to those who are above me and I am taking notes, I am learning from them, and I am training myself to be ready so that I can move into their, into their position should they no longer be able to continue the mission for whatever reason. They can't continue the mission. The mission still needs to go on. The show must go on. The mission must The continue. mission transcends the, 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 mission is, the people. Right. Is, it is far superior to any of our own subjective frailties. And this is very much the same as our this commission that we have. We're commissioned by our commanding officer. And if, if, some, if somebody stumbles or somebody can no longer continue, the mission still holds sway and we must pick up that guide on, pick up the banner and lean into that conflict. And we can't just be waiting for someone to ask us or waiting for someone to you know, <laughs> just take the initiative you are in this position, you've been trained, you're equipped. Now you can take the initiative where they have stumbled. Let me add something to that. Uh, in the fact that we have, uh, how to say this, the, uh, when we see someone, we look out in a congregation and we see a man, uh, you're right, you said a woman also, but a man for the leadership within the, the church setting there. The, uh, and w- we look at them, and I've heard some pastors say, well, I think they would be a good, a, a good preacher, a good teacher, uh, but, but they haven't, I'm waiting for them to suggest they do that. Mm. And I said, well, no, they ought to be, it's nice for people to have encouragement in their own ability of what the Lord's doing and having a passion to teach or something like that. And, but I, I'm not going to suggest that. But the leaders say, I think so. And so you suggest it. So th- there's two ways people think about this. I'm not going to suggest it. They need to do it. They need to take the initiative. Okay. Mm. But on the other side, the, the leaders need to take initiative. Right. You know, and, and, and you know one person in my in life where I was trying to do that, and, and just the ups and downs 
of where he went from the beginning to where he is now is amazing. But it was waiting on, I had an idea for him, but we had to wait for the Holy Spirit to do his work. But we need to be encouraging him all along the way. And I think that's one of the things that, going back to our initial question, why is it not happening in the American churches? And I think part of the reason is you know, that we're not taking the initiative and we're not letting people to feel comfortable to come to a leader and say, you know, I would really like to teach. Or I would love to preach. You know, I've been working on a sermon. You have. I'd like to preach. Right. First of all, that person has to feel comfortable to come to the pastor and say, I want to teach. I'd like to preach. And that's where, what, have you been training men up? Has that man seen, boy, there's been people in this church, men in this church, they've been preaching. I would love to do that too. Right. And, and, and that's the mindset. That's the culture that you need to develop in order for that to actually transpire in, in the church. Yeah. And I praise the Lord that, you know, that's, that's happening here. In it, it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to brag about your son a little bit because <laughs> he has fostered, in my observation, a, an environment where many men have opportunities to explore their gifts and to, to exercise their gifts for the benefit of the congregation. And I, I think you had actually read off a statistic recently in, in the past sermon. He, he did, yeah. Oh, he, did you? I, I, I wasn't yeah. sure who, I, yeah. you guys, your sermons blended together so seamlessly, yeah. one <laughs> became the other. Um, but we, we've had, what, 30, 33 men who have so, spoken? So, so 33 sermons pre- preached by oh, okay. 11 different men. 11 different men. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah, that was a statistic that I was thinking of. That, that's exceptional. That's extraordinary. I, I haven't... In my, in my church experience, I have not encountered that, oh, goodness, really anywhere, unless those, those men were all, like, ordained and they all had particular credentials. And it's like, well, some men have gifts, and sometimes those gifts need to be exercised for them to develop. And I think it is extremely important, and a credit to South Paris, that there is opportunities for men to grow and to explore those gifts and you know maybe maybe they don't do great. That's okay. Maybe maybe they fail. Maybe this podcast fails. <laughs> That's okay. It's it's better to try and to fail than to never try at all. Um, to quote an old adage. And there's opportunities for that, and that is huge because that is a key element to discipleship and training and allowing people to develop their yeah. gifts. And, and there's there's another there's another man uh, within our church family who's going to make his his debut in the pulpit on December 31st. So it'll be one, one more, one more man who has yeah. proclaimed the word to his, yeah. to his church family. That's awesome. Let me That's add one thing awesome. about this in terms of, uh, this morning I was going over some scripture from John three, uh, with one of my grandsons and where we were talking about how John the Baptist had been baptizing these, but Jesus began to baptize with his disciples and it, John the Baptist's disciples were, were wondering, well, well, wait, what's going on here? You know? mm-hmm. and, and then uh, you know, John the Baptist makes a comment about Jesus and a bride and bridegroom and, and the best man like and so on. But the thing that always got me here was the last thing Paul, that, that John says, 
He must, Jesus, he must increase, and I must decrease. And I think that's a hard thing for leaders in general. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be easy for um, a, a pastor to, hey, you know, I don't really like this visitation stuff. I'm not saying that should be a case, but if it was that, this man out here would be good. I would like him to take over visitation. Okay? Mm -hmm. This other man here, he, he, uh, he wants to preach. Um, wait, wait I, I'm, not, I'm not giving up my preaching. And, and that's also a hang-up of difficulty that leadership has to be willing. If you're going to train them up, the only way they get trained up is for them to do some of the things you're doing, and you have to decrease so they can increase. Okay. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's an excellent example. Yeah. It, it, it is. Uh, and I just, I don't want to, I want to, I'm just going to, I'm going to jumpstart into, into our third question. Uh, it, and it dovetails with something that you said, dad, but we, we want to talk a little bit about how to, how to cultivate a, how to cultivate a training culture within our, within our local church. And uh, I, I, I have a number of thoughts about that, but you, you mentioned, you, you were talking about, you know, you were raising the question of who, who goes to who to take initiative? You know, does the, does does the does one of the leaders reach out to someone who looks promising, or does somebody who looks promising uh, reach out to a leader? And uh, I think, I mean, I, I, it it can definitely uh, you know can definitely work both ways. Um, I think I think leaders should be encouraged to be proactive about finding trainees, you know, understudies who will come alongside of them and, and, you know, to give them opportunities. Uh, obviously Jesus, Jesus chose the 12 and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and, 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 and so forth. But also, uh, it can work the other way. And I, and I, and, I, and one, one of the, one of the ways that I think that we're, you know, one of the ways that we're starting to further encourage a training culture within our own church family is the fruit of some young men uh, uh, reaching out to me. So, so uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if it was two or three years ago, uh, there was a, a, a young man, uh, Jeremy, still in high school at the time, and he reached out to me and indicated that he, he, wanted, he wanted to meet and, and, and get together, and we ended up getting together uh, a number of times to discuss the scriptures and sometimes uh, uh, one or two others uh, accompanied him. And then uh, I, I mentioned on Sunday, you know, and then Adrian, who we're bringing in as an elder in training, uh, Adrian heard that I was meeting with Jeremy and uh, he may have heard that from Jeremy. And, and, but, and then Adrian reached out to me and yeah. said, would you meet with me? Well, cool. well, meanwhile, going back two or three years, I also started meeting with a, with a young man named, uh, named Eli. And, so I, and we've met several times to discuss the scriptures, and he, he'll come with questions. And um, um, at, at, least, at least once or twice, he has come with questions from one of his friends, who's also part of our church family. And, uh, but this past week I met with Eli and his friend came <laughs> and, and now, and now I'm, I'm going to meet with, with both, with both Eli and Daniel. Um, and, and, and we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to walk through the Proverbs, but, but, awesome. but, but the point is, is that uh, how, how do you, how do you grow this kind of culture? 
Well, some, you have to take initiative. Somebody's got to take initiative. Yes, the leaders should take initiative, but initiative should be taken throughout congregational life. This church is much better for the fact that, that these young men, Jeremy, Adrian, Eli, that they reached out to me. Uh, that, has, that, has, that, ha- that is strengthening our, our church family. And, um, but but uh, take, someone like, take someone like Adrian. It's not as if the elders are all of a sudden giving him opportunities to serve. No, Adrian, mm-hmm. he's only like, I mean, he, I don't even think he's 20 years old yet. He has already had opportunities to serve within this church family. He has, he has, he has served in the, the, the ministry of the, of the, of the soundboard. Mm-hmm. He has served in the ministry of vacation Bible school and had, had uh, key, uh, you know, key uh, acting roles in the skits. Uh, he, he, I, I think, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I, I think he had an opportunity to teach or, or share his testimony in the context of youth group. So the, it, the youth leaders gave him the opportunity to do that. And, and, I, and I know that recently in the young adult group, he had the opportunity to teach actually from Ephesians 6. Mm. Someone in the young adult group, I think it was Tom McGarvey, gave, gave Adrian the opportunity to do that. So, th- 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 so this is... This is this is something that is, I think, beginning to take significant root in the life of our congregation. It's not, it's not, it's not just me. It's not just the elders. It's not just anyone in particular. It's all kinds of people in all kinds of settings who are willing to take initiative, to stick out their neck, to give someone else an opportunity to serve, and... Um, and I just, I mean, honestly, I just, I just want to see that continue because training, while I completely agree with you from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, that the, you know, the leaders, the, the, the gospel preachers and the, and the pastor teachers, they, they definitely have to be on board. They have to set the pace and take initiative on these things. But really, at the end of the day, it is a, it's a community project. It's a family project, and the and the more people in the church family who are on board with this, giving opportun- giving people opportunities to serve in the context of relationships, then this is just going to multiply our discipleship and training efforts. Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say in, quickly in terms of family. You, know, you go back to our own families, right? So we will often give our kids things to do or we will ask them to do certain things, okay? So we're taking the initiative to do that. But we also know our kids will come and ask us things. And why is it? Because we're family. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, that the church is a family. That's what it's supposed to be, is a family. And once you have that relationship and it's a family relationship, you, you're going to interact in a way uh, that is different from the world. And it, it's going to be one that's going to be honoring to the Lord. And, and yeah, that's, I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. Absolutely. Amen. I got, I got two things that came to mind as you were talking, Pastor Brian. Um, one, uh, a missionary that had a, a significant impact on me in my development, he used to say when he was a missionary in the Philippines, 
you'd say, I, I, I would look for Christians when planting churches who were fat Christians. I'm like, fat Christians, what do you mean by that? And he's kind of a quirky guy. And you'd say, fat Christians, I want them to be faithful, available, and teachable. And that's what Amen. I'm looking for. I'm Amen. looking for faithful, available, and teachable Amen. men that can take over the ministry in a particular church. And, and that has always stuck with me. I've never forgotten it. It's kind of a, a silly thing, but a uh, silly thing stick in your head sometimes. Um, and I thought that was great. And then, you know, continuing uh, with, you know, talking about Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, uh, 4, 11, it says, command and teach these, talking about the, the things in, in verse 10. But then in verse 12, you know, picking up where you were talking about with Adrian, let no one look down on you on your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and behavior and love and spirit and in the faith in cleanliness. Until I come, give attention to reading, to encouragement and to teaching. So like continue, don't, don't, don't allow anyone to despise you for your youth. Continue to be a good example. So demonstrating as a good example and then reading. And I'd say like reading there is like study and being in the word and continuing to enrich yourself through the word, hearing God's voice through the word um, to encouragement and to teaching. Um, that is, I think that, that, that would be like the answer for this question. What can we do in our setting to cultivate a church of training in our local church, um, a culture of training in our local church? How, how can we cultivate that? Um, well, if young men are giving themselves to study and encouragement and demonstrating what has been demonstrated for them, or, you know, maybe they haven't had great examples, but you have the best example in the living word of the perfect man. If, if they are con Continuing, them, continuing in their growth by doing these things that Paul has instructed Timothy to do, um, that, that will, by extension, improve and cultivate a culture of training in the church. You know, the leadership is available. Like you said, like the leadership is available and approachable. They're not, there isn't this hierarchy and a separation between the piety and the laity. Um, but we are a family, and, and we're we're open to encouraging each other. In, in fact, I want to I want to that reminds me of something uh, really important, and that is that another another aspect to this, which relates to really everything we're talking about, but also how to how to how to cultivate this throughout the church family, is that the the leaders are supposed to be among the people, right? It's it's it, it leaders who are detached from congregational life and detached from the people within the church uh, are, are missing something that is really important. For example, uh, just to use one example, I mean, uh, Paul tells Titus in, this is Titus chapter 2, verse 7. He says, show, your, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. And, uh, well, how, how, is, how is Timothy going to be, I mean, I'm sorry, how, how is Titus going to be a model of good works? Well, he's got to be, he's got to be among the people, he, he, you know, uh, Paul. 
Paul indicates that elders should be hospitable. So that means that uh, they're opening up their life, they're opening up their heart, they're opening up their home, they're interacting with people in different settings, and and uh, and as that's happening, um, Titus uh, and 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 pastors, elders, they are setting an example, and that's a big part of this is is setting an example um, in the context of everyday life. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, I'm sorry. I, I love this topic. Um, you know, Jesus and the 12, uh, he wasn't separated from the 12. They, they slept on the ground together. They slept under the stars together. They went on fishing trips together. They did everything. They got chased out of cities together. <laughs> they, they were almost stoned together on a few occasions. Like they, uh, they were together through thick and thin, you name it. They were like, they, what I like about that, kind of the point that I'm getting at by them being together is there's no, there's no, like Jesus did, he would retreat and go off and have his private time to pray and to seek the father. However, there was no secrets. There's no, nothing is hidden. There's no, there's, there's no corners of shadow where you can conceal things. Everything is in the open. You, you can't hide anything on a camping trip. Like you, you're, you're, you get to know people. You know what they smell like. You know what they sound like when they sleep. You learn every intimate detail about you a learn person. How, you learn how they respond right. to inconveniences <laughs> and interruptions. Yes. Yeah, you know how they act when they're hungry and thirsty and sleep deprived. And, and you, you learn the person in a way that is just completely unique. And, and he was completely open to that. Like he didn't shut himself off and isolate himself. And, and unfortunately, from a military perspective, I've seen that all too often, you know, military leaders who hide themselves away and sequester themselves and create this massive separation between them and the people that they're leading. Um, our leader, our commander did not do that. He was right there with us, identifying with us, suffering with us. And, um, and he's calling us to travel down that road with him. We could, uh, we could, we could talk about this for hours, yeah, I and I, I, I think we, we've we've had quite a quite a, a lengthy uh, conversation even to this point. Um, is there any 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 final uh, thing you'd like to say, uh, Dad, before we sign off here? Uh, no, it's, it's been a great time, and as you said, there's so much more we could we could talk about. And just one last thing, I suppose, from what we've been going over and over again, is the importance of leaders being models. Mm. And we, we've said that three or four different ways during this conversation, uh, that we were telling them imitate us, well, then we need to be sure that we're offering them something that needs, that is good to be imitated. Amen. And, and he said, but, but I'm imitating Christ, that's why you can imitate me. And uh, yeah, and, and the, the church, it's a family, and treat it as a family, where Christ is ahead, and he's got leaders that are doing certain things. Uh, what you just got done saying about uh, about uh, Jesus and the twelve, but we also remember Jesus had the three, right? Yep. And, and so there, he took the initiative. And why did he take them all? No, they, there was, he had a reason for those three. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so all leaders need to just be take initiative and 
look at what people are doing and not doing. In the case of Jesus with the three, there was nothing spectacular, I don't think, about those three, other than the fact that Jesus chose those three. Right. You know, but, uh, yeah. Well, uh, Dad, thank you for uh, joining us on the Stone Pillar podcast today. Um, we do want to, uh, just uh, as we end here, I just, again, I want to express uh, thanks for those who make this podcast possible. Uh, the, the ministry of South Paris Baptist Church, Caleb Lynch is doing an excellent job on all, all uh, technical, technical production issues. Um, again, uh, for Aaron Darrell, allowing us to use his, an excerpt from his song during the introduction, uh, to this podcast and for you, the listeners. In fact, uh, Dan, Dan and I have, we've received some, some good feedback, uh, and encouraging feedback from some of you. And we invite additional feedback. And remember, we invite your questions. We're working on a podcast-specific email address. And once that's finalized, we will share that. In the meantime, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to email me at pastorbrian at southparisbaptist.org. Awesome. Well, thank you, Father, for this time together. And uh, we just ask that you would bless our listeners and may... Lord's face shine upon you as you walk in his grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.